Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. This episode is going to be about breaking out of a form of overwhelm that so many business creators run into. It has to do with your marketing, how to target, how to message, how to plan. I've been in this industry. I've been in online marketing for almost 20 years. I have seen so many entrepreneurial ventures that had so much enthusiasm and so much revolutionary promise become basically just another company that does what it does. And here's the reason why. Frustration and overwhelm with marketing leads them to accept ultimately whatever referrals are foisted upon them that are waving money in their face. Now, that might be great for cash flow, but it's very bad for the psyche. You end up losing money even when you have huge profit margins. It's funny how that works. And ultimately, you find that you've created a job, not a business. What we want to do here today is we want to break that cycle. I've been down that road myself. It led to a period in my life where I spent three years wondering what I wanted to be when I grew up after I'd already been in business almost a decade. We'd like to do what we can to spare you from finding yourself in that situation. If you already are in that situation, to give you new hope that your marketing can be something that's fun, exciting, and valuable. So today's episode is about how to stop feeling overwhelmed with marketing forever and make it simple so you can grow with less stress. I am so excited for the guest we have here today. His name is Tim Fitzpatrick with Rialto Marketing. Let me tell you about him. Tim is an entrepreneur and business owner with expertise in marketing and business growth, and he has over 20 years of entrepreneurial experience with a passion for developing and growing businesses. This passion has served him well in operating and managing a wholesale distribution company. He has co-owned, or rather did co-own for nine years, a company which grew an average of 60% a year before being acquired in 2005, which actually is right around the time that I jumped in. Since then, and he's gonna tell us more about it, Tim has had failures and successes that have been valuable learning experiences. He started Rialto Marketing in 2013, has been helping service businesses simplify marketing so they can grow with less stress. Most people overcomplicate marketing, and that's what leads to developing a cash flow business without a revolutionary feel or a brilliance or a passion. And friends, it doesn't have to be that way. To move us away from that and get us into a new direction that's going to benefit everybody involved and make this fun like it's supposed to be, Tim Fitzpatrick. Come on in, the weather's fine. Awesome. I'm happy to be here, Adam. What we'd like to do now before we dive in, and I know that you have 
various things you want to share with us about targeting, messaging, and planning is let's take a step back. I read off your official bio. Very impressive. I'm not even sure I'm worthy to be in this conversation, and it's my show. What we like <laughs> to do here is get a little bit, get to know a little bit more about your story and what's driven you and brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and making a difference for your community, market, and audience, which because you're on Business Creators Radio, now includes us. Awesome. Well, so uh, for me, I would say my my entrepreneurial journey kind of started by by chance. You know, I wasn't one of those, you know, kids that was selling baseball cards and, you know, hawking stuff at garage sales to make money. I, I just, I wanted to get out on my bike and play with my friends. That's all I really cared about. But yeah, when I... When I got out of college, I, I really didn't have any idea what I wanted to do still. You know, I was a math major. I figured I like math. It's, it's used in all kinds of different things, especially in business. So there's got to be some value in having that. And when I got out, you know, my dad had been an entrepreneur for a long time. He was a manufacturer's representative. And he had started a wholesale distribution company that was related to what he was already doing. And he had no full-time employees. I got out and I said, look, I have no idea what I'm gonna do. Let me help you for three months and I'll figure out what I'm gonna do from there. He said, sure, awesome, I'd love the help. Well, you know, famous last words. You know, I, I worked the summer, I was hooked, man. I just, I loved it. We were selling consumer electronics, so home theater equipment, that kind of stuff. Sign me up, baby. Yeah, it was. I'm a, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a minimalist, but that's where you get me is gadgets. <laughs> I, I love yeah. gadgets. I don't I don't need expensive furniture. I don't need things hanging on my walls. I don't need knickknacks. I don't need expensive cutlery or chinaware or anything like that. But give me gadgets, 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 gadgets. I'm yeah. sorry. Go ahead. No, it's all good. <laughs> it was. I, I mean, I was the same way. I mean, I was just. I was so interested in all the stuff that we were selling. Uh, I was hooked and I learned more doing that in six months than I did in four years of college. I was just, I was a sponge. I was soaking up all kinds of information since I was the first full-time employee. You know, I mean, I was like, I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off. You know, I was, I was shipping, I was handling accounts receivable payables. I was selling, you know, I was doing all that stuff. And we just, we grew from there, you know? And so we slow, we slowly started to expand and, and continue to expand. I learned how to hire people, how to, how to fire people. Unfortunately, it's still not one of my favorite things uh, to do, but yeah. I just, I learned so much. And by the time we sold that business, you know, it had started with just me as a full-time, the first full-time employee. When we sold it, we had three locations. We had, I don't know, 20 to 25 employees, um, you know, and so we, we made the choice to, to sell. And then I worked for them, the company that bought us for another three years. And I actually moved with the company out to Colorado, which is where I'm based now. I was born and raised in Northern California in the Bay area. And after the first year, I actually got laid off. So I got laid off by the company that bought us, um, which may sound kind of um, funny, but it's, I think it happens more frequently than, than one might think. Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, you know, I, I took some time off. I had always been interested in real estate 
And so I got into real estate and most people go, geez, Tim, what you got into real estate in like early 2010, what the hell were you thinking? Um, but I've always felt like there was opportunity in every market. And in that market, there was a lot of people that were going into foreclosures. So I started to door knock houses that were in, that were going into foreclosure. And I started to do a lot of short sale business where I was working with the bank to get approval to sell the house for less than what it was worth. And, you know, I was helping people. I was putting myself outside of my comfort zone all the time. But after about two, two and a half years of doing it, I just, I started to have the, you know, the Sunday night effect. If you've ever heard of that, where it's like yep. Sunday night, you start thinking about, oh my God, I go, I got to go back to work tomorrow. I'm not looking forward to that. I don't want to do that. Uh, except I had the Sunday night effect like every day. So what's the point in being a business owner if you're not enjoying what you're doing? And so I decided to shift gears at that point. And that's when I shifted into, into marketing, which is what I'm doing today. And, and we're working with, with service businesses, just helping them eliminate all the overwhelm, information overload and overwhelm that there is with marketing to, to make it simple and effective. You know, that's great. Funny, couple funny things here. When I went to college, I went to Penn State. I majored in political science with minors in history and Middle East studies. My plan was to become an attorney because somehow that was my childhood dream. <laughs> during the last semester, during the last few weeks of my ninth semester, because I added that extra semester as I started a little bit early and I wanted to make sure that I got enough semesters in the Penn State bars. But anyway, I attended this seminar. It was taught by a corporate attorney who was an adjunct professor in the Dickinson School of Law sat there for three hours in that room with him. He was charismatic. He was mesmerizing. He drew me in. I was physically leaning in, hanging on his every word of the realities of being, in the, of being a high-powered attorney. It was thrilling. It was enthralling. I thought the guy was James freaking Bond of corporate law. And by the time he was done with me, there was no way in hell I was going to be a lawyer. <laughs> so there goes, not only there goes everything that I thought was my destiny. Poof. So I came out of college and went through a couple jobs. The second of which was so bad that I wrote, I celebrate the day that I left. It is literally my second birthday, April 27th. And I wrote about it in my contribution to the book Journeys to Success Millennial Edition. Anyway, I know that feeling of leaving college, which is supposed to put you on the path and having no idea what the hell you want to do. A lot of us has been there. So in your case, you jumped into something. In my case, I jumped into something. It was an adventurous ride. It was learning as you go. It was building the airplane while you're flying it. And you learn a lot of great things. Yeah. And I ended up in a place, as I alluded to earlier, where I started an entrepreneurial venture. It really took off. But there really actually was no marketing plan behind it. I originally entered entrepreneurship with the idea that I was growing a firm that was going to do back-end research for the training and development industry to help them develop presentations, compile research, and write books. And it turned into a web design firm. I'm not a web designer. I can't draw. <laughs> I can't draw a roller with a straight line. I can't even get that analogy right. The only thing that enables me to even do a website is that WordPress eventually evolved 
as a content management system, and they came out with an entire industry around WordPress names. It's not something I do today. And when I had that firm, I hired designers to do the work. But yeah, I could get the referrals. I'd be waving money in my face. I'd be ready to go. And a lot of them, just like me, were missing three things. Their target market, their marketing messaging, and their plan. That's kind of why I got out of it and why my best clients actually stayed with me and followed me into the ventures that I'm in now through the Business Creators Institute. I have several client relationships that have lasted almost 20 years. And I also am friends with a lot of people who used to be clients who just took off in a different direction after we dissolved that firm. But the underlying theme, and I think about this more and more, Tim, as you tell your story, and the more I think about my story, is so many opportunities missed, so many boats that sailed without people having a chance to embark upon them, come down to three things, the market, the messaging, and the plan. I know those are the three of the things you want to cover with us today. So let's get started with the first one of those, the target market. I'm going to ask an open-ended question. What is it that we're missing and what is it that we need to know to develop that? I think the, the first thing that a lot of businesses are missing is they don't really understand who their target market is and who their, who their ideal clients are. And the, the challenging part when you, when you miss this step or skip it or, or mess it up in some way, shape or form is that your, your marketing is centered around your target market. You really can't have successful marketing long-term if you don't understand your target market. You talked earlier, earlier on, Adam, about people just accepting, hey, I'm in business. Do you have a heartbeat? Are you willing to pay me? Great, I'll work with you. And so many of us realize after we do that, that not everybody that can pay us is gonna be an ideal client. You know, They may be difficult to work with. We may frankly not do great work for them. And yeah. so we're not serving ourselves or our clients when we do that. And you know, unless you're Amazon, you can't target everybody. It's just, it is far too broad. And actually, if we even look at Amazon, Amazon didn't start by being, you know, the everything company that sold all the stuff. They were an online bookseller. That's what they did. Yeah. And they didn't start to expand from there until they had really nailed that market. And then they started to go broader. You know, so we, most people really need to narrow down on their target market. And the first part of that, of really understanding your target market is who are my one to three ideal clients? And what, what we recommend people do is, especially for existing businesses, if you've got past customers, current clients, the easiest place to start to really hone in on who you, your ideal client should be is asking yourself three questions. The first one is, who do you enjoy working with? Why the hell do we want to work with people that we don't like working with that are going to make our days miserable. Right. Okay. The second question is who are our most profitable clients? If we're going to stay in business and we're going to make money and enjoy what we're doing, we have to work with profitable clients and our profitable clients aren't necessarily always going to be the clients that are doing the most volume with us. 
sometimes the people that are driving the most volume actually are, are the least profitable because we're, we may be giving them discounts or we're just doing so many things for them that we don't realize that we've got some inefficiencies there and they're not, they're driving top line revenue, but they're not driving bottom line. So we have to look at who our most profitable clients are. And then the third question is who do we do our best work for? If we can work with people that we love working with, that are profitable, that we do great work for, well, they're going to be stoked. They're going to want to continue to work with us or, you know, or, or they'll stay with us. They'll do other business with us. They will refer us. So that's the best place to start. Ask yourself those three questions and the group of customers or past customers that are in that group that you've answered positively to all three of those questions, that's where you start to look for your ideal client types. And that's when you can then take that next step, which is, okay, I've got this group. Now let's look at the demographics of the, of the clients in this group. Let's look at the psychographics, which the psychographics to me are just as, if not more important than the demographics. The psychographics are, you know, how are their feelings? What are the, you know, what are their aspirations? What results are they looking for? What problems do they have? Those types of things, because the psychographics are really what help you understand how those people are, are feeling. Where are they at? And that helps you create really great messaging. But when you start to look at the demographics and the psychographics of that group, inevitably what happens is one to three subgroups start to come to the surface. Those are your ideal clients. Wow. You gave us so much right there. And I almost felt like I was going to burst into tears because I've lived that story. (laughs) You know, and, it, and it's and it's funny, you, you mentioned something that you can, if you don't feel the, whether you call it the simpatico or the vibe, whatever term you want to use with that client and with that work that you're doing, even if you like one or the other, the fact that one of them is missing is going to bring you down. I've had several false starts in my business growth over the years. It ultimately led to me writing a book called Groundhog Days, an event, not a business strategy, compiling fictionalized versions of my story and some of my friends' stories, where you get to that point where you're just ready to take off. You have a new offering, you're linked to something that's hot, and you're starting to get new stuff in. But maybe the money's not happening fast enough, or maybe one of those clients who you love as people, but you can't freaking stand the work they want you to do, waves those big dollar bills in your face. Hey, that's going to pay the bills. And somebody's saying, take the money. It will fund what you want to do. It doesn't quite work that way. In November of this past year, I had the opportunity to get involved in something that would have been a five, it would have been a five digit deal. It would have set me for several months and accelerated my plan for transforming my personal wealth picture. However, it was not the business that I had decided at that point to grow. So I turned it down without even a conversation. I would be further ahead financially with the money, but spirit wise, I might be dead by now. That was not, it was on the one hand, it was not easy because that would have been really good money. 
and I would have loved working with that person. But on the other hand, it was actually very easy because it would have been the opposite of the work that I really want to do and the venture that I was just in the process of launching and it would have delayed my long-term results when we think about our bottom line revenues and our bottom line profits by up to a year. So I just didn't do it. You were, you were able to avoid the fear of missing out with it, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, so important. I think it's, it's so easy. I mean, look, I've fallen into this trap. I think we all have fallen into that trap of, of being scared that you're missing out. And so you, you make the choice to do it, but you know, every time you say yes to something, there's something else that you're going to have to say no to. And you, before you make choices, you have to really understand when you say yes, what you're saying no to, and is it going to be worth it to say no to those things, to, to go down that path and that opportunity? One of my very early clients, one of the very first clients of the web development firm was one of those people who was referred to me and he was waving money in my face. And the time I thought that's the work I wanted to do. Now he is a great guy. He's actually somebody I look up to as a mentor and as a role model to this day. He and I are still friends. We still talk on a fairly regular basis. I post stuff that supports his business. I participate in his Facebook group. However, as in the client resource relationship, we were oil and vinegar. His style was just too different from mine. So we stumbled through a few projects. He tried to participate in my process. I tried to participate in his. It wasn't lining up and then got to the point where he asked us to to get started with a couple other projects. So we started to jump into them. And then we got, and then I got a call from him the next day. He said, pause, 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 wait a minute. You know that thing we were discussing about that new membership site and that other new thing that I asked you to do? Well, I'm here to let you know that I no longer need you to do those things. And in fact, I really don't need your services at all. That's the bad news. The good news is you've been on your knees praying, I would say that. And we both had a really good laugh and then chatted for about a half hour. So that's, Funny, an exa- huh? that's an example of love the person and have the ability to recognize that the, in terms of targeting the marketing and the objectives of the business, it just wasn't a match. Yep. And sometimes it takes us getting that experience, you know, going through that to, to realize that. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people do from a target market standpoint. They don't really understand who they want to work with. So they just work with everybody. And after getting some of that experience, they look back and they go, gosh, I, I actually don't want to work with everybody. Right. You know, these are the people that I'm doing great work for that. I love that we make money on and that's where I'm going to focus. And, right. and once you identify who those people are that you really want to start to attract, then you can start to look at, well, where the heck are these people? Yeah. You know, because when you're trying to attract everyone, well, they're everywhere. It's too hard to, to focus and really pick where the best place to be is. But when you narrow it down, it's so much easier to identify and start to create that list of, okay, well, you know, what websites do my ideal clients go to? What influencers do they follow? What blogs do they read? Are they yeah. parts of, of associations or you know Facebook groups or LinkedIn groups, whatever it may be? When you start to create that list, now you know exactly where you need to be 
to get in front of those people to start generating business and market your company. Those questions you just asked are included in the avatar exercises we do is the very first thing in what we call the podcast reach system, which is my primary line of business at this point. And these things are so important. And going back to podcast reach, being in a market with it, having VIP reachers on board, we've identified who we love to work with most of all. These are folks who have experience in business. They've had entrepreneurial ventures. They're not newbies. They're not greenhorns. And they're also not broke. What they want to do is they want to use launching and hosting a podcast as a networking and client attraction tool and use that from a marketing standpoint as the spearhead to enter a new market segment. When you put those things, two things together, you have a VIP reacher. I had an opportunity to work with somebody who's a VIP reacher who told me that he already had a podcast. It was just sitting around. He hadn't put up a new episode in three years, and he was still getting 200 downloads a day. And I told him flat out, sorry, you're just not what I'm looking for, because what you actually need is somebody to multi-purpose your existing content and do a campaign to get you lined up with a bunch of new guests who can testify to topics related to the business you're now in. So that was not a VIP reacher. They just didn't fit. And that, that was somebody with a crap ton of money to throw at me, but it wouldn't have worked because we understand what reach is all about. Yeah. So you know exactly who you're trying to reach and it becomes that much easier to figure out where you need to go to find those people. Right. So let's help our listeners. What can they do to generate higher quality leads, which, you know, higher quality leads leads to increased conversions. So how are we generating these higher quality leads? What do we need to keep in mind as we do that? Well, it goes back to what we've just talked about. You need to know who those one to three ideal client types are. Yeah that you want to work with. Because when you know that and you can create messaging that attracts and engages those people, you are naturally going to convert more of those leads. You know, the, one of the biggest roadblocks that I hear when we talk about target market is people, they're concerned that if they niche down and focus on specific ideal client types, that they're going to lose business. The funny thing is the exact opposite becomes true because one, I'm not saying you can only do business with one to three ideal client types. I'm just saying those one to three ideal client types are the only people that you're going to spend your marketing focus on. Right. You, you're still going to, I mean, look, we work with service businesses. Do I still get people that sell products or do e-commerce coming to me? Yes, I do. Um, and sometimes, depending on the position they're in, we may be able to help them. And other times, you know, we may not, but I have the ability to make that choice, but I'm not going to spend my time and money to try and attract those people. Right. So, you know, all we're saying is you're just, you have to focus your marketing efforts because you can't try to attract everybody. You're going to end up working with other people, but when you know who you're trying to attract, and those are the people that end up coming to you and your messaging is clear and it resonates with them, you're going to convert way more of your leads than you did before. Before we jump into messaging, let me just share one thing with my listeners. This right here, this 
our listeners is why you need to subscribe to the Business Creators Radio Show. So you can go back and listen to what Tim Fitzpatrick just told you. Listen to that a couple times before it sinks in. This is also the reason why our show is audio only. I would not look good on camera right now. And here's the reason why. Because I would not be sitting upright in a media pose, facing the camera with a pleasant expression on my face, soaking in every word that Tim says. I would have my head down looking at my desk, feverishly writing notes. Because there's so many ahas here. This is like a master class of dealing with overwhelming dealing with stopping this marketing overwhelm. So I think we got the target piece pretty good. Now, marketing messaging. And you mentioned to me in the green room that you have a system, a framework. So this is going to be about, I'm asking, how do you increase profits and customers while saving time and money using a simple framework? Tell us about that. Yep. So with your marketing messaging, you really want to enter the conversation that is happening in your prospect's mind. When they read what you say, you want them to be thinking to themselves, oh my God, was, was Adam in that meeting that we had a week ago? Or was Adam sitting there in the room when I was thinking these thoughts last night? Yeah, that's what you want to have happen. Because when you can do, get into that place, you, they're just naturally going to be attracted to you because you're speaking their language. You are saying exactly what they are thinking. And when we use marketing messaging, the framework that we use, look, I did not come up with this, Adam. It is a framework based off of the hero's journey. And it's been popularized by a company called StoryBrand from Donald yep. Miller. Yep. And when I was in first exposed to, to StoryBrand in this framework, it just, it made sense to me. It clicked with me. And as I started to talk to clients about it, it made sense with them too. And so look, I, I'm not the smartest person in the world. I don't need to reinvent the wheel. I like to keep things simple and I like to take and use things that I know work. And this framework works. Um, so I'm going to walk you through it if that's okay. Oh, not only is that okay, please. Yeah. So if we think about most stories, there is, there's a character or a main, uh, you know, a hero in that story. They have a problem. They have a problem that they don't know how the heck to solve. And they meet a guide and that guide has been there, done that. The guide's already solved the hero's problem. He or she knows exactly what the hero needs to do to get from where they currently are to where they want to be. So that guide gives the hero a plan and then calls them to action, right? Nothing's gonna change if you don't take action. And so they take that action in hopes that they avoid failure and they reach success. Okay, those are the basic elements of the framework. So let's, let's, let's put this into a real world example. One of my favorite movies is the original Point Break. Okay, don't, don't fault me, Adam, but- No, 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 no. Uh, the movies we love actually inform our story. So please tell us more. Yeah. So if you, if you have not seen it, uh, this will be new, but if you have it, it's a refresher, right? So this is Keone Reeves. This was like early nineties. Yeah. He is a green rookie FBI agent. Yep. Okay. So he's the character. The problem is there's a band of bank robbers called the ex-presidents that are robbing banks in Southern California. Tricky Dick. Kurt yeah. Russell. I remember That's it. the guide 
in the story is Gary Busey, who is Keanu Reeves' partner. He's a seasoned FBI agent. He's been there. He's done that. He knows what's going on. Well, the plan that he gives Keone is he says, look, I believe that the ex-presidents are surfers. So I think you need to learn how to surf and you're going to end up meeting these guys or you're going to meet somebody that knows these guys. And this is how we're going to get in with this group of bank robbers. So the call to action is you need to go to learn how to surf. So he learns how to surf so that they avoid failure, right? The ex-presidents get away with all the money and go surf somewhere else. And they reach success, which is they catch them and they go to jail, right? So that's the basic element of the framework. So how the heck do we take this storytelling framework and use it to create our marketing message? What we do and the beauty about this is that what we're doing is we're inviting your customers into a story where they're the hero and your company is the guide. A lot of businesses make the mistake of positioning themselves as the hero. Hey, look at us. We're great because of this, this, and that. Well, our customers don't care. They don't care about us. What they care about is can we solve the problem that they have and how are we going to get them from where they are to where they want to be? That's what they care about. So we want to position our company as the guide that has the solution to their problem. And then we show them how we're going to do that. And that's what this framework does. It invites your customers into a story where you can solve the exact problem that they have to help them to get to where they want to be. And when you use a framework, any kind of framework, whether it's for storytelling or anything else, it allows you to do things consistently. And that's the other thing that we need to do with our message. It needs to be consistent because if it's different every time, it's never going to resonate with people. Because it takes, it take, they, in marketing, they say it takes at least seven impressions of your brand, of your message for things to start resonating and for yeah. people to start to remember it. So, if, you know, if one minute, you know, you're, you're the, the SEO guy that does this, this or that, and then the next minute you're somebody else, it's just not going to resonate with people. You have to be consistent and you have to be clear. If we make people think too much about what we mean or what we do, they're gone. We're so impatient at this point. We're so used to, I can pick up my phone and have an answer to my question within seconds. If I land on the top part of your website and I read that message that's there and I don't understand what the hell you do, how it's going to benefit me and what I need to do to buy it, I'm going to the next listing in the search results. Right. So when we use this framework, that's what it allows us to do. And it saves you time and money because one, you have messaging that works. So you're not spending marketing dollars, putting out a message that doesn't convert. And it saves you time because you're not reinventing the wheel every time you need to create a marketing message. If I need to create a social post or, you know, ad copy or a flyer, I don't just start writing stuff down on paper. I go back to my playbook, my messaging playbook, and I start pulling pieces from the framework to create the message that I want to create. So it becomes so much easier for people to to create messaging that's going to work. But I can't create that messaging until I know who the hell I'm trying to attract. Right. And through our journey, and again, I'm being very transparent with our listeners here, when we launched the podcast Reach Systems a few months ago, we did not make some of our 
key discoveries until we actually entered the market and got people to sign up for the VIP level of our program, which is a $7,500 program. Now, happily, by coincidence, we discovered things that this first crop of reachers all had in common, some which I mentioned earlier. These are folks who are established in business, have been through ventures, have been through startups, uh, understand the world of venture capital, have, understand the idea of multiple streams of revenue, and they're using the podcast as they spearhead to enter another market by establishing their celebrity expert profile. When you put that together, as I said, that's what makes a reacher. There are many reasons to start a podcast. Some people look at it from a strictly search engine marketing perspective. That is part of reach. Some people look at it uh, strictly as their way of getting conversations with people without having to offer free strategy sessions or beg them to meet them for coffee. That's also part of reach. But when you look at the spearhead, the vanguard, the door opener of what reach actually is, it's the established person who's building a celebrity brand in a new market, in a new niche, leveraging the learning they already have. But they're doing something different now, and they're leading with their own personality and their ability to use the podcast as a venue to create conversations. I love it. We can potentially work with other people, but it's not going to be the same thing. I can give you another example. Part of reach is we guide our reachers to create a dedicated website for their podcast. Now, yes, there's a school of thought that says, well, you should really add your podcast to your existing website to increase its search engine optimization. Okay, yeah, I get all that. I still argue it's not going to be the same thing. And we're working with somebody right now who has a website that is kind of the kind of the aggregator of all their various business interests, but it also hosts a podcast. And we're actually bringing them on uh, through the back door as a reacher and working with them to reconfigure that website because the focus of our work with that is actually going to be revitalizing it as a podcast website where the centerpiece of that website is going to be their podcast and using that website to grow and expand their podcast, which will lead them to new conversations, new opportunities, and new prospects for their mastermind and their VIP level offerings. So you can take what you already have and craft it to what we need to do, but ultimately we've identified what a reacher is. Yep. So you got, you have a great handle on who your ideal client is. Yeah. So in that, so in that particular case, we're taking something that already exists and turning it into reach. Yep. So there's more than one way to approach it to still arrive at that ultimate goal that this is somebody who wants to spearhead into new markets. And this is somebody who's already in the market, but he wants to take it on in a new way and be seen as something differently than he's been seen for the past 10 years, building on what he's already done. Yeah. So that's just me being transparent. And uh, what we also know about the Business Creators Radio Show is our listeners are tuning in to private mastermind sessions, in this case, between me and you. So we bounce ideas off each other, and this is how we develop these things. And I would argue, and I want to get your thoughts on this, that this is part of the process of identifying a target market and identifying your messaging is having these conversations out loud and allowing these discoveries to take place. Absolutely. You've got to be, yeah, I think you have to approach this with a beginner's mind. 
right? You're open to learning new things and you're open to taking in all the information that's being thrown at you because it's, you know, especially from a messaging standpoint, Adam, it is so hard. It's even, it's hard for me to create great messaging. Most business owners have a hard time with that. They have a hard time articulating the value that they offer and why you should work with them because they can't see the forest through the trees. They're so into their business. They just, they're, they get stuck. And that's when, when you have the, that mastermind or get that outside feedback, so oftentimes you get, you get input and you go, oh my God, why, why didn't I see that? That makes perfect sense. Well, you can't because you can't see the forest through the trees. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times we recommend before we start working on messaging that our clients interview their best clients. I want you to, I want you to have eight to 10 conversations. I'll give you the list of questions to ask, but I want you to have eight to 10 conversations with your ideal clients. And I want you to ask them these questions and inevitably they come back and they're like, oh my God, that was, that was not what I thought it was going to be. That was eye opening. Yeah. Um, and it really helps them then hone in on what are the things that I need to keep top of mind and I need to use as I create my messaging playbook. And when you can do that, your messaging is so much on point because it's not how we need to communicate things to our clients, not how we think they should be communicated, but how they actually say them. This happens in marketing all the time. I mean, we get into, you know, you've got all this marketing lingo. Well, most, you know, most of our clients don't use marketing lingo. So we need to break it down and communicate in a way that makes sense to them. And it's no different for any other business. You know, the way I tend to do conversations myself, and this is just my style, I kind of discovered that I did this when I closed a $30,000 deal a few years ago with somebody who heard me on a podcast somewhere and just showed up on my calendar one day saying, hey, I, I heard of you and I'd like to speak with you about the possibility of having you work with us to lead our startup into revenue. So I had a conversation with her, uh, an initial conversation, and we had a second conversation that was all about formulating how we were going to work together. And throughout it all, I didn't really like walk her through a bullet point list of questions. And it seemed like I was asking things randomly. But while I was seemingly having what felt like just a free-flowing conversation, I had a piece of paper in front of me with questions written on it. And I was writing in the answers as she was giving to me without me even having to ask. Yep. So I just, I got her to tap into her natural brilliance and passion. And at the end of the conversation, I said, you do realize I actually put you through an interview, but I didn't ask you interview questions. And she said, well, yeah, I use that tactic with my own clients. I knew what you were doing. So it's more <laughs> common. So it's more common than people think it is. Yep. Well, and somebody, you know, somebody once told me that uh, professionals are scripted. So you can be scripted. And if you're really good at it, you don't come across as scripted, but you, you, when you're scripted, you're prepared. You know exactly what you want, where you want things to flow and the information that you need to get to be able to do a good job. Yeah. And uh, another thing I recognize about myself is I can be that person who you think that they're not quite grasping it. And then right 
just when you think that you're wondering why you just spent that time in that conversation, they have this flash of, oh my God, they got it all along. So going back to using movies and television shows to help us understand ourselves and help us to articulate, think of those detective movies and TV shows, the Columbo series. Remember just this, this bumbling detective with his rumpled overcoat who seemed to babble and stammer along and stumble his way through the case. And in five minutes before the end, he would say, just one more thing. And then he would just lay it on like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and he wouldn't, yeah, and you'd see that he was headed there all along. Another, yep. exa- another example that's, uh, that may be well-known to some of our more recent audiences is that TV show Breaking Bad. And if you remember the character Hank Schrader, uh, who was uh, who was with, um, I believe he was the FBI, and he would sit in these in these conferences and these meetings, and he would seem like the dumbest guy in the room, and he was asking a bunch of stupid questions to which everybody already knew the answers. And then he would pause. And then his voice would lower and it starts speaking really slowly. And that's when he was slowly sliding the trump card from the bottom of the desk, bottom of the deck rather. And that would be the moment where he nailed the case. He seemed, he seemed like that, that just type of, uh, you know, overbearing braggadocious bro type who, uh, charged into battle without even knowing if he had a gun, much less if it was loaded. But he had a level of insight that often got missed because that was just the surface layer. There was something much deeper going on. Yeah. Yeah. Both of those examples, they they knew exactly where they were going. Yeah. The whole time. And to get there, you got to have a plan. So this is the third piece of what we were going to cover as far as the framework here. We covered yep. target market. We covered the marketing messaging. And now let's get into the plan. So how do we know where to focus our marketing to get the best return on our investment? There are many ways you can answer that question. One thing I was hoping you at least touched on is there are so many modalities of marketing, uh, podcast, advertising, uh, list building, search engine optimization as an investment strategy, uh, speaking, yeah. all kind of coaching, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So different modalities may be correct for different people, depending on their styles and their market. So how do we know, what, what can we use to figure out where to focus our marketing to get that best ROI? Yep. So I'll, I'll walk you through how we do it for our business and how Perfect. we do it for our clients. So when I, when I approach marketing planning, I approach it from a 90 day marketing plan standpoint. And there's a few reasons for that. One, 90 days is long enough to start seeing results, but it's short enough to be able to make course corrections along the way. And I think with your marketing, it's those it's those course corrections and incremental improvements that make all the difference in the world. The second part about thing that's important about a 90 day plan is it's simple. You know, if this time last year, somebody had spent thousands of dollars putting together a 15, 20 page year long marketing plan, come early April, they had burned it, right? Or at least a lot of different businesses would because their businesses were hugely impacted by the pandemic. The other thing is there 15, 20 pages, it's too complex. 
And complexity to me is the enemy of results because when they're too complex, we get overwhelmed, they're too hard to implement, and then we just end up doing nothing. So with a 90-day plan, it's just, it's simple, it's effective, it keeps you on task, and you can just wash, rinse, and repeat to continually improve it. So let me walk you through the six parts of this plan. Please. Okay? And by everybody, the way, everybody get your pad and paper out. Let's do it. Yeah. And I've got some resources. I've all the stuff we've talked about. I've got some free resources for your listeners yeah. when we're done here. So great. If they feel like they missed something, don't because well, that'll, that'll be the rest of the interview. You'll give us the six steps and you'll show us the resources and we yep. wrap up. That'll be a good way. We've got about 10 minutes here. Let's do it. Awesome. So first step in your 90 day plan goes back to the first fundamental, which is your target market at the very least. I want you to have a summary, a paragraph, four to eight sentences of who your one to three ideal client types are. So if you have two ideal client types, I want you to write two paragraphs, one for each of them. All we're doing here is just keeping top of mind who the heck we are trying to reach, who we intend to reach and who we intend to get in front of. But if you have even a paragraph, target marketing can go much deeper than this, but if you even just have a paragraph, you're ahead of the game compared to most people. So to keep things simple, put a paragraph of who those people are, okay? Your second step is what is my marketing goal? It needs to be specific. It needs to be measurable. It's gonna be time bound because this is a 90 day plan. So for example, I intend to have five new clients in the next 90 days. Yeah. It's specific, it's measurable. It is an outcome-based goal. So there are some things that may be beyond my control that are going to impede my ability to hit that goal. But either way, I think it's important to have an understanding of where, you're, where you want to go. So get that down on paper. The third step is what's my marketing budget and my resources. And when I talk about resources, I mean staff time, your time, and capability and knowledge. You know, you may have the time, but if you don't have the knowledge, you're not gonna be able to implement it, right? So we, what we're doing at this step is just identifying what we have to work with. Because if you have a lot to work with, well, then you can take on a lot in your plan. But if you don't have a lot to work with, you can't. Th those things have to be in alignment, otherwise things are gonna go off the rails, right? Yep. So that's all we're doing in this section. Do I have $500 a month and four hours of my time a week to implement my plan? Great. I got it down on paper. There's no right or wrong answer here. We just need to know what we have to work with. In the fourth step, we need to look at your current marketing plan. And I know when I bring that up, Adam, a lot of people may go, well, shoot, Tim, I don't have a marketing plan. That's okay. All we're trying to do here is establish a baseline of where we're starting from. It's no different than your GPS. My GPS can't tell me how to get to the airport until I first put in where I'm starting from. That's what we're doing here. So with your current marketing plan, we look at eight main marketing channels. Any tactic can fall in, will fall into one of these channels. The first one are, is the strategy and the fundamentals, the target market and your messaging. If you do not have those in place, you have to start there. Then you've got your website, you have content, so am I, am I creating a podcast? Do I have a blog? Do I create videos? 
my SEO or my search engine optimization would help, which helps me rank in search engines so that when people search, my company shows up. Your social media, you have email marketing, you have paid advertising, so Google ads, Facebook ads, and then you have offline marketing. Maybe referral partner relationships, you know, direct mail, print advertising, speaking, networking groups, those types of things. All you want to do in this fourth step, just write down what you have done and what you continue to do in any of those channels. And don't feel bad if you're not working in every one of those channels. You do not need to be in every single one of these channels to have a wildly successful business. Okay, so don't fall into the trap that you have to do everything. The fifth step is what am I going to focus on for the next 90 days in each of those channels? And again, depending on what you have to work with, you may only focus on one channel in the next 90 days. That's okay. One of the tools that I've got at the free resources that I'll provide your listeners is something we call the Evolution Index Checklist. And that is just a framework, a guideline of based on where I am, phase one, two, or three, in any of these channels I just mentioned, what should I have in place? So it just gives you the ability to go through this checklist and go, okay, I've got my website, but do, do I have these phase one elements in place? Mm, no, I'm missing those two. Let me work on those. Once I'm done with those phase one website elements, then I can go to phase two. So that's a, that helps solve the problem. The evolution index checklist helps solve the problem of what the hell do I focus on in the next 90 days? Yeah. Okay. You've already identified the baseline in, in step four of what your current marketing plan is. And you can check those things off the list in the evolution index checklist. And then you can start to look at, okay, what haven't I done and what's going to make the most sense for me. And that's what you can put in your next 90 day plan. And then in the sixth step, we look at metrics. What metrics am I going to track? Because the metrics help you identify whether the actions you're taking are actually effective or not. And then based on that, you can then make choices at the end of the 90 day plan of what worked, what didn't, make those course corrections, update your plan and wash, rinse and repeat. Now with metrics, look, I was a math major. I can go into the weeds on this stuff. And with marketing, there's so many vanity metrics. You know, how many people do you have on your email list? How many, how many Facebook followers do you have? You know, how many TikTok followers do you have? All that stuff doesn't mean a damn thing if it's not generating you leads. Right. Okay. So I like to tell people to start simple. Look at how much traffic is going to your website right now to get a baseline and then keep track of that over time because that's going to help you determine whether the actions you're taking are actually driving people back to your website. But then I want you to look at how many leads you're generating and how many of those leads are converting to customers. When you know that, that is super empowering because if I know I need to get five leads to get one customer and you know, if my goal was to get one new client this quarter, well, I know I need to generate five leads. So start simple with your metrics. And then as you get more comfortable with it, you start to get a little bit more advanced with some of the things that you're doing. Well, then you can start to track some more metrics. But if you go into the weeds on metrics, you're going to overwhelm yourself and then it's going to defeat the purpose. So that's how the plan works. You just, there's six simple steps. This is a sheet or two of paper max. And 
It will keep you focused. It'll eliminate these distractions so that next week when somebody tells you you've got to be on clubhouse or you're going to miss out, uh-huh. you can go, you know what? This is not in my plan right now. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to be on clubhouse, but I'm just going to put that on my, my list of potential tactics. Yep. And I'm going to reevaluate at that at the end of this plan. Yeah, I have a spearhead on Clubhouse right now. I'm going to be moving into it within the next couple weeks uh, If for, for the people who are listening to it live or if you're listening to it later on, uh, you're going to hear that you might see that I'm already there. I'm going there. Uh, it needs to link to another strategy, which I'm also developing where the two are going to support each other. But I saw people say, oh, I got to be on Clubhouse. And then I see these folks who are, describing themselves as clubhouse addicts who listen to it 14 hours a day because <laughs> they don't want to miss out on that million dollar idea that guru is going to give them. Well, let me tell you what the guru is going to tell you. They're going to say, this is what they're going to give away on clubhouse, regardless of what seasoning or icing they put on the cake. The harder you work, the luckier you get. And if you want to get there faster, hire me. Yep. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. So, um, yeah, and I do encourage everybody to visit your your website, RialtoMarketing.com, and especially on the front page, you identify the uh, you identify what you call the marketing strategy trilogy, which is what the framework of our conversation today was about. And then go down a little bit further, and you see that five step process where we work where we work through you know, identifying where we are focusing on the fundamentals, creating the plan, implementing and optimizing. So you mentioned that you have a little something for our listeners. And I also want our listeners to know if they are looking to get into a a 90 day plan, that's really going to move them forward. You're available and ready to do that. How do they get started? Best place to go Adam, is our website, which is rialtomarketing.com. So that's R I A L T O marketing.com. Yep. All our, you know, our podcast, content is there, our blog content, links to all our social channels are there. If they want, I I put together some free resources for all these marketing fundamentals that we talked about. So if they go to our website and then go to forward slash business dash creators dash radio dash show, those free resources are there. They don't even have to opt in for those things. They can just download them. If they start to dig into this stuff and they're like, man, I'm kind of, I'm struggling with this. They need help pushing through those roadblocks just hit the get a free consultation button on our website and I'll be happy to chat with you and help you push through those. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, thank you so much for all of that. And thank you, Tim Fitzpatrick for being with us today. Again, uh, check out the link that he just shared. And also remember his website is rialtomarketing.com. You can see that right on our website at businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Tim Fitzpatrick, it has been an honor and an education and we thank you. Thanks so much, Adam. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.